As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. You would think that a primetime, just post-Halloween matchup at Arrowhead would be pointing us all to a tremendous amount of fun, maybe even excitement, but it's been a little more difficult whenever some of the spooks and scares have been on the field for the Chiefs over these last few weeks, and that's what we'll talk about here today on this edition of Time's Ours. I'm Joshua Briscoe here with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser, and this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Guys, I will say we dodged, at least in my house, a major bullet by the Chiefs playing on Monday, the the, the year that uh, Halloween falls on a Sunday. That could have really caused some issues for, uh, for me, I think, mostly because girlfriend Renee has just really decorated this house with... Um, I mean, I'll say too many spooks and scares, but uh, the the bullets, the bullets dodged may have ended there. More importantly, Nate, do you have any great uh, Halloween plans? Not in particular than the conventional. um, All right, man, I'm cold. Let's go home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seth, which Bible character will you be dressing up as? Um, well, I'm a Baptist, so while you guys celebrate what I like to call Satan's birthday, that's right. I'm going. <laughs> okay, that's why Renee likes it so much. Quick, hey, quick hey, I, I would like to classify this. Hey, hey from from a optimistic view, this is Candy's birthday. Let's, it is oh, Candy's let's, birthday. Let's reshape this. You it's know, fall let's, let's... harvest, guys. Remember all those. It's just fall harvest. We can have a fall harvest church party. It's like, look, y'all. We know why we're here. <laughs> Are you dressed up as a tree? What? <laughs> <laughs> Look, let's push the narrative to Reese's peanut butter buttercups, okay? The greatest Halloween candy of all time. The only the only Halloween candy that I have had any point in the last uh month. I Renee got a, the the big Costco bag of uh, assorted candies for uh, for us to have on hand. Sure. And I, you know, read the nutrition label, did mm-hmm. some brief carbohydrate math, and had <sighs> one peanut butter cup. Hey. And I'm still alive, you it's know. It's an elite snack. It really is. Do we have, Although, you want to do this? You, you want to, you have a, a, a number one seed different than that, Seth? Um, In terms of Halloween candy, 
Yeah. And I, I don't I don't think you can have a number one seed, except if you take into account the fact that, you know, peanut allergies are a real thing that affect yeah. a lot of people. Like my son Cole could like, you know, die and stuff with a mistake. Right. And so if we take that into account, which isn't necessarily fair, I mean a a when when Twix are good, they are yes. good. Mm. I mean if they, I, a, oh a good Twix, man, I'm hungry now. If I was gonna roll out the four number one seeds, I think my my not even thinking about it one, two, three in no particular order would be Reese's peanut butter cups, Kit Kats, and Twix. I love those three. Love now, a good love a good Kit Kat crunch. Yeah. Now if you're looking for that item that's a 12 seed that you know is gonna upset the five seed. Uh-huh. That candy is dots. Oh Man, wow. my kids love dots. Dots still has it, okay? Like dots <laughs> have kind dots have kind of been, you know, struggling. They haven't recruited very well. Their facilities have sort of <laughs> waned over the years. Obviously, boosters have not been as enthralled or as motivated. Yeah. Um, but when dots come together and what stays in that box is what gets you across the finish line. Like they don't, they don't hear the noise about the candies <laughs> we've mentioned earlier. They don't understand that, you know, even though they are not um, politicized much, yeah. even though they've had to work day in, day out, even though they have to be in the cardboard box all the time, uh, when it is game time, they're ready to shine. So look, dots, that's us really, you know, you you can't disrespect dots. They did it the hard way. They they ran their conference tournament, um, <laughs> and for my take, Jim, I just think there's no way Jolly Ranchers has any chance against dots. Oh, I, no. That's I know. such a good fu- Nate. That is such a good five twelve upset to pick. That is because I think that's, that's exactly where both of those candies would be ranked. And I think I might lean dots there because there's a little more going on than just the just the hard candy of a Jolly Rancher. Exactly. Right. I mean, I mean, dots can go man to man. They can they can switch it up with two three zone. Hell, they'll go full court press in a less five minutes to go situation and really you know make things chaotic. So, um, what? this is my advertisement for dots. Try you dots. Convinced me. That was incredible. I wasn't with two, you at the beginning, and you got me there. Two thoughts on this whole thing. Please. Skittles are an underrated candy only because way too many people eat them the wrong way. Okay. Because there are a bunch of psychopaths mm. out there that <laughs> eat all colors of Skittles at once. And it's like, these aren't M&M's people. They don't all taste the same. True. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh, I mean, they're it, like, I mean, orange Skittles are elite and they're an incredible flavor. But that's a whole nother thing. Here's what I would say. The one seed that can't be a one seed because it's got character concerns and you never know what you're going to get with it. Yeah. But when it's at its best, is in one seed or might you know just lose the first game of the tournament. So so, so Coach Coach K with a with a couple one and done. Yeah, yep. this Coach is some K one with and done. a couple of this one and done. This is Kentucky, duns. actually. This is <laughs> that is that would be that would be Butterfingers. Yes. Oh yes. Because yes. Butterfingers sometimes they're hard as a brick, but yes. when it's like a soft Butterfinger. That's mm. like a pro. Oh my goodness, it's delicious. What now, other tea- food does that in your mouth? By the way, in terms of like <laughs> all the little, all the. I mean, it's such a unique texture. It's wonderful. It, you know, it, 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 it it's so delicious. I mean, they are so good. Every now and then, um, right now, I'm not eating. The reason I'm keeping us on this conversation, I'm not eating sugar and carbs right now, and just, welcome, I can my talk friends. about food. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can still eat Magic Spoon though. So. The thing with Butterfingers, you can get like a whole bag of like the minis, you know, mm-hmm. and if you get the right bag, 
I mean, you were on your way to 3,000 calories of Flavor Town. Yeah. And that when it's at its best, I think they go toe-to-toe with a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Now, I will say this, and I know we're going to get to Giants Chiefs kids. I, I know <laughs> it's going to happen. But Heath Bars, the 8-9 matchup that you know you don't want to watch, but look at you in front of the television eating another <laughs> Heath Bar. Mm. I, I like so I, I've been scrolling around the internet trying to find generally disliked candies that I do like and I, the, what I'm gonna bring to the table here is maybe maybe a nine seed that's gonna be a tough matchup with the Heath bar that I'm gonna watch anyway is is really any type of malted milk balls but particularly whoppers being like the yeah. Halloween friendly one sure yeah sure that's yep. one that's an underrated one that yeah. I'm willing to, to take a bullet for the next one's even more controversial though yeah. Guys, if you put a big bowl of raisinets in front of me, good God, have what? Just handfuls, man. Controversial just, is not the same thing as terrible. <laughs> it's just they're just raisins covered in chocolate. They, like they, I would are, just eat them they, with my fists. So you're saying they're Oral Roberts last yeah, year? Yeah, they're just Oral. They're Oral Roberts, man. This is. I'm just saying that, you know, they're, look, am I even going to pick them for the the 215 upset if they get, you know, let's, let's find a two seed here. Let's find, let's say they, (laughs) let's say they get Twix or they get even Skittles in the, in the first round. No, I'm not going to predict the upset, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that team is feisty because I'm going to say something about their coach. I'm going to be something. (laughs) Snickers is a pretty, I'll tell you what though. I think Snickers are a little overrated. And that's, that's my spot on the, on the, the the panel at that point Mm. saying, look. I know Snickers is the, fraudulent uh, scheduling. The, the, the didn't play blood, anybody in non-con. They're, just they're the, the blue blood team that didn't face anybody non-con. That's absolutely right. And the you know what? Raisinets, Broncos. Raisinets have a senior point guard <laughs> and a. Uh, that's pretty good. The Raisinets have a senior point guard and yep. a coach who's been there for a full four years, really building something. Probably his last year with the team before he moves up. Yep. I, I don't know. Hops on to the Mike and Ike's uh, train. I don't know what's slightly above Raisinets. Um, but that's that's. I was trying to get as controversial as possible. Sure. And no, being pro raisin nets. Oh, I support you. Patch kids. Can, oh, okay. That's a, oh, that's a that's a great one. That's my a great one. My kids are obsessed with those. Holly, Holly loves sour patch kids. By the way, if you're thinking what I'm thinking at this point, as we unveil a bracket nobody wanted, um, yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, nobody asked for it. Doesn't mean nobody wanted it. True. Yeah. Um, it's all too chicken to ask. <laughs> look, you you know when we get look, they can't play because they're in state rivals. They don't schedule one another. Uh, they are not in the same conference. Obviously, people kind of know where I'm going here. Twizzlers and Red Vines. I mean. Whoa! Have you ever seen Twizzlers and Red Vines in the same room together? Yeah, one no. in each of my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I have a question. Nothing like for... Kentucky Louisville or Twizzlers That's, Red Vines. Just, you know. Great. Real quick, do we, do we all have? I think I'm also going to be on the wrong side of history on this one. I'm a Red Vines preferer. Something oh. texturally there that I, I appreciate. I, yes, you're correct there. Oh, wow. But but Twizzlers has the sweetness yes. that is just, you know, it, hey, they, they, that's, a, that's, a, that's a gold recruit that you had to have. And <laughs> he's nice. He's just really nice. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, come on, let's be real. Uh, I mostly eat Twizzlers more than Red Vines, but I'm never disappointed when Red Vines shows up. Never. When they're on the schedule. No, I'd watch. I have a question for you, Seth. Yo. Now, I didn't choose to get diabetes a month before Halloween. What inspired you to pick this time to not eat sugar? So, 
Is this going to make me sad or is this going to be too serious? If so, we can No, move on. no, no. Okay. It, won't, it won't be serious. It won't be serious at all. I'm I'm healthy. I'm fine. My blood pressure is great. I'm not diabetic. Yay me. Um, <laughs> I, like, I think you should use that as a brag more often in just your day-to-day life. Yeah, okay, no, no, I actually, oh, I'm good, man. I'm not diabetic. You know, yeah, I'm happy no, to be I, here. What? Only the last few months have <laughs> I been saying that. I don't know what changed. Really no, bad. it's just a matter of look. People who have met me who listen to this podcast, and more importantly, people who have met me and met my wife, jazz is really pretty. And, <laughs> man, I am not looking my best. Like, it's not great. And also, like, you know, I was wrestling around with my oldest son. I was like, man, I'm going to get winded here. So I got to end it quick. And I did. But it's like, I got to be careful here because I'm going to end up being like, because it used to be, I also had a memory of when I just freaked out when I weighed over 200 pounds. And now, like, if I could get down to 200 pounds, I'd be like, yes! <laughs> and so it's it's like, it's mostly just, you know, I'm 36, and maybe it's time to take my health a little more seriously. God, I forget I'm how 36! old you are. I forget I'm, how old of a man you are. Good I, yes, and, and I just, uh, you know, I just, I, when I work out a little bit, I feel better, you know? And uh, it's just, I just, like I said, I, I, I'm tired of the looks. You know, do like you Jack- work? Do you go work out in jeans and work shoes? That's sort of how I picture it. You know, <laughs> I hate you so much sometimes. Um, no, I no. This is the age that I'm at. Is that I don't run when I work out. I walk on a treadmill, and what I do is I just crank that incline up to about ten, and then just walk for an hour, and am drenched in sweat when I'm done. Yeah. And it's not as easy as it sounds. Well, it is easy. I play Plants vs. Zombies on my phone the whole time. But <laughs> I, I just I just got to get healthier because I just don't want to look like a schlub. And that's what I'm finding is that I look like a schlub. And then I'm kind of grossed out by myself. And no one needs that in their <laughs> life. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, if Jazz like looks at me and he's like, hey, you know, how you doing? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm kind of turned off by the fact that I exist. So <laughs> I, caught, you know? I caught a glimpse of myself in the reflection. Yeah, so I'm not no in things. the mood. No thanks, hon. You, there's no way you're not faking being attracted to me right now. <laughs> you know? Man, we've made it 13 minutes in and we've done candy and how not sexy I am at this point. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, that was a journey. That, that was a journey. I didn't know I was going on an excursion to the, to the deepness of your soul. I, yeah. It's just that, that, look, sometimes insecurities catch up to you gradually and sometimes it happens all at once. That's maybe that's what was really meant by the dark night of the soul. If we if we if we were a um, if we had some production wizardry, we would go live to jazz. <laughs> We've had her on the Zoom call this whole time, Seth, and uh, she's been listening in. Jazz, your thoughts? She'd be just nodding, just like yeah. Wow, man, was he handsome when I met him? <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, uh, you know, no, you swap things out though in marriage and I, we, Josh, you're really going to need to stop me off this train that I've never, I was, you know, I was thinking about stopping it right after you said you swap things off in marriage right then. I thought, you know what? That's going to be our segue. (laughs) Well, so I'm much less handsome. Nate, he's powering through. He's powering. But I also, I also made minimum wage working at a Pomida when she met me. And now I'm a lawyer with a See, website. you can afford to eat more food or whatever. I can. Like, and it's like, what, are you going to leave me, woman? Because I think you want that Yukon. 
I think you want that <laughs> sectional. You're, she's not okay with just a regular couch anymore, fellas. Which, by the way, in your 30s, that's what happens. A regular couch isn't good enough. Now you need a sectional from Costco. Do you sure. have any idea how much a sectional costs? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I don't. So and, this is, I and this is the burden of greatness, ladies and gentlemen. That's yes. Right. The burden. <laughs> the burden of even just hitting your mid 30s but anyway so yeah you swap those things out so i'm no longer handsome or in shape but i'm also not desperately poor so it's like you know treat things out (sighs) so (laughs) thanks for listening to this episode of time's ours that's gonna do it for us that was our hour Go ahead, Nate. You get the last word on whatever this open has been. It's been 15 minutes. This is what happens when a team is three and four. Yeah. (laughs) We know. We know, y'all. Believe me. We know. Uh, Take it. You know, I hope you enjoyed this. um, This undercard to the main event. This, uh, you know, this opening act. Um, But, yeah, you know, just, you know, thanks for riding with us, as always. I got we, one more we, question we, for you guys. Well, well, I was just gonna say we we know you probably click. I, look, if my reaction is anywhere uh, prophetic here, you saw that we had a new episode. You're like, they're three and four. They gotta win this game. If they don't win this game, all hell's gonna break loose. Which quietly, you're correct. Mm, um, yes. and, then we, and, and then we wanted to give you some some levity. Some laughter, yeah. some some you know something enjoyable before we got into the seasons actually on the brink. And uh, I, we don't we don't often uh, we don't we don't do this often enough because of the way, way we've recorded has changed a little bit over time and everything. So I just want to give both a shout out and a question to producer extraordinaire Kent Garrison, who uh, will be stitching all of this together after we send him the files and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I want you guys to just think about what point in the in this last 17 minutes, Kit went, well, they got to be almost done with this, right? <laughs> yeah, this can't <laughs> As possibly. he's going through. These like, guys can't possibly talk about it was, this any longer, can they? <laughs> if it was Danielle, I'd give her the 12-minute mark. With Kit, yeah. I'm going to say eight minutes. And, then, and guys- the thing is, at eight minutes, he is only at the halfway point. <laughs> yeah. So, Kent, I'd like to say thank you both for your production. Uh, incredibly quick turnarounds as well, and also yeah. more importantly than awesome, anything man. else, uh, yes. thank you for your patience, Kent. Uh, yes. Thank you, Kent. A, a yes. good we patient man. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kent, what, also, Kent, what's your tech? Go ahead, just uh, text me your favorite Halloween candy, Kent. I just want to know. Yeah. And really, no, I like that. We'll we'll let's fill out show. a bracket. Yeah, it'll be good. But no, this this really is what happens when the team is three and four and is coming off a loss that was. I don't get embarrassed for things that a team I cheer for does. Cause that's dumb. I'm not out there, but I was embarrassed. I was like, I was, I was uh, embarrassed by proxy. It's kind of like, you know, every now and then when you see something happening, I don't mean like on TV shows like the office, which I mean, yeah, that's embarrassing and it makes you feel it. But I mean like in real life when something happens and you're just like, Oh no, I don't want to be here anymore. It's so like, embarrassing for that person. Like you're listening to your favorite podcast and one of the hosts <laughs> is talking about how his marriage is deteriorating because he doesn't find himself sexy anymore. Oh, uh, no, we're doing great. But uh, it's just it's just my ego is shattered. And, <clears throat> uh, and, it's know, more more ego specific. That's yeah. That's yeah. Fun. It's it's well, really just a me issue. But that's that's how it felt watching that. Well, here's what we've been hiding for, you know, the first third of this show. 
Uh, as I just, I want to dive into what you wrote most recently here, Seth, up on the, the Chief of the North newsletter. I've got some sort of bigger picture stuff we didn't get to last week. And then, Nate, I know you only have one press conference under our belt as opposed to the usual two by this time since they plan Monday. The whole week is sort of scooted back a day. But um, here's here's what – Seth, can I, can I say the phrase that you said about Patrick Mahomes' performance here that you told me before the show that caused me to, like, double over in pain? You know what? I'm going to leave it up to Seth and Seth. <laughs> no, you go going ahead. To... Go ahead. Hit me. Seth said, and I read, you read this whole film review. You should read it. And then chiefsfan.substack.com. And I'm going to let Seth explain all of this and everything. But we were talking right before the show about the, the film review and everything you saw from Mahomes in this game. And Seth said it was bad. It was like a bad Alex Smith game. Seth, you can take it straight from there and explain what you saw when you went back and looked and how out of character it all was for Mahomes. Look, I think if you asked Patrick Mahomes how he thought he played Sunday, like just flat out, he would say, I stunk. And normally that would be him because he said similar type stuff after games, like even after the Bills games, talking about how he needed to play better. So I'll just kind of go into like my introduction you can find on the site and, and I chart every snap. I'm not just making crap up here. Like this is, I, I've charted, not just watched, but as in charted for like accuracy of throw, whether there was happy feet, whether there were open receivers he missed. Um, I mean, all sorts of stuff, whether he got flushed out of the pocket early, all sorts of other things. I've charted literally every snap of Patrick Mahomes' career. And before that, I charted like five years of Alex Smith. And I've done Rodgers, I've done it with Romo, I've done it with Brady, I've done it with Breeze, I've done it with Wes Wilson, okay? So this is not me just like saying something based on the stat line. Every other game I've ever watched where Patrick Mahomes, where people kind of talked after, oh, he didn't play very well. When you went back and watched it on film, the good sizably outweighed the bad by him. Even say like the Super Bowl, right? That's the classic example. The good by Mahomes in that game vastly outweighed the bad. There were just a lot of other things going on. Even against the Bills a couple weeks ago, a poor game for Mahomes, and we'll circle back to that. The good still very sizably outweighed the bad. He just, he was misfiring. He wasn't as accurate as he normally is. Against the Titans, he stunk. And not just for him, but like it was a definitively subpar quarterback performance. And that's when I say it's like a bad Alex Smith game. I'm not saying he necessarily played exactly like Alex Smith. I'm saying for comparative purposes, because usually it's he was bad for Patrick Mahomes, which is still better than most quarterbacks. It's still above average. Like his worst games is still above average quarterbacking. This one, he stunk. And it wasn't, you know, people can talk about backing out of pockets or pocket presence stuff. There was, there were, there were problems with that, but he just was bad throughout multiple phases of the game. And yeah, Orlando Brown had two really bad snaps in pass protection, but there were plenty of plays where the protection was there and there was time to throw. Um, and it just didn't happen. So yeah, that that was where I came up with that quote. And I think there's good news and bad news to that, but I've talked for a while now and, and I want to let you guys unpack that because that was jarring to me because I expected it to be like every other game with the thousands of snaps I've reviewed of his where I would watch the film. Like with the Buffalo game, I was like, man, Mahomes hasn't been good. And then I watched the film. I'm like, ah, actually, he's been pretty good. Um, not good for him, but pretty good still. The good way outweighs the bad. Whereas this game, the good definitively did not outweigh the bad. 
I mean, we talked about it some kind of at first look earlier in the week. So, Nate, anything from that from Seth before we get a little bit deeper into some specifics from the uh, from the, the Mahomes performance? Yeah, I just I get the sense that because Mahomes was willing to share um, that he was he just wasn't playing the game in the right mind frame. Mm. Um, and so that led to some uncharacteristic decision making. Um but no, I mean Seth is Seth is exactly right. I mean, the simplest form is that they didn't score a touchdown, um, which is still kind of shocking to say, even when you watch everything. Um, but as mentioned before, when when Mahomes would have a subpar performance, um, there were other factors outside of him, or his body was not fully healthy. Mm. Um, and this is one of the rare cases where, uh, just as much as the Titans did enough to sort of, uh, keep him in the same mind frame, which I think is very important for defenses moving forward. It's like momentum is, is a, is a real thing uh, in sports. Like I, I, I tend to believe it. Uh, and so when the momentum is on your side, how do you keep that player, um, making mistakes continuously or struggling with like working through the process of the reads or the pocket presence. Um, Mahomes today mentioned just fundamentals and and sort of getting back to that. Um, But yeah, this is, this was a performance where I felt like uh, there were things for Mahomes to do, but it was all, I mean, it's weird to say, but it's like they lost the game by the, by their third possession, which is just, Mm -hmm. Which is wild, considering that they can be um, one of the most potent offenses in the league. All right, Seth, take us a step two on that. What what was it that that jumped out to you as being the thing that that pushed it over the edge? I mean, it, it's really tough to say, like what it was that pushed him over the edge. Oh, you mean what, not why? Ah, anyway. Don't mind yeah, me. Yeah, no, you know, I don't need you to get into his head. I'm just, I'm curious what what you looked at. He, let he me, wouldn't let me, pull the trigger. That that yeah. That that's that's the big thing. You know, I, I I chart one of the things I chart is what I refer to as missed shots, which sometimes people incorrectly view as only missed shots downfield, mm-hmm. but is more accurately described as an open receiver the quarterback really should have hit. And so there's a lot of times where people will take a screenshot after the ball's released and say, well, look at this guy's wide open. And it's like, well, that's because he threw the ball and the defense is converging. Mm-hmm. Um, or, hey, this guy was wide open on the other side of the field when they're running it up an RPO to the left side. There's a guy on the right side that's open. Well, he's not part of the reads, right? Or if you don't get to a guy who's open because you made a throw to an open player on your first read. Stuff like that, right? Those aren't missed shots. That's just playing the game the way it should be played. What I mean with a missed shot is where you look at a dude, he's open, and you just don't pull the trigger, or it's a guy you should have seen throughout your progressions. Mahomes usually has anywhere between zero to two of those a game, and it's usually closer to zero. This game he had seven, which is an incredibly high number for him. I've never seen it, ever. And some of these, and 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 this is where you're going to want to read the article. Um, if you're not subscribed yet, you know, go to the site and subscribe. Seriously, I'm telling you, hours of work went into this. You will learn something, not because I'm smart, but just because I put in the work. Anyhow, you will see snaps, um, like second and nine, where he just, he sees Tyreek Hill come open in the middle of their cover two zone. Look, it's, it's not like this is like some, you know, magic formula. 
that they're using. Although, you know what? That particular stat might have been more of a cover three now that I look at it. Anyway, um, uh, he comes open amidst zone defenders. He go, go, gets underneath the safety and in between him and the linebacker. And Mahomes has hit that throw a million times, releasing the ball as Hill starts to curl around and into the middle of the field towards the seam. And Mahomes just doesn't throw it. He just doesn't throw it, and instead he takes off to his right, which allows for pass rush lanes to open, while people blame the line for that happening, where he could have easily moved in a way that would not have hurt the blocking and would have helped it. He had tons of room to move to his left and just didn't. Things like that. It was weird. And it was even more, and I, I probably, because I didn't think people would believe me, so I put like five different examples up. Um even one of the sacks that he took and, you know, I had people in the comments saying you're being too picky. And, you know, and I said, I just don't think I am. It was a third down sack. He took when they were down 14. Hardman is coming open past yes. the sticks and in the Mahomes, middle, in the, in the middle of the field, right? Yep. Yep. And Mahomes, rather than stepping up when he sees a stunt developing in front of him, which it was a, you know, Tooney allowed his guy to get to half a man essentially, but he was still there. And the other looping stunter, he was going all the way around wide, which people are doing more and more with him with stunts, by the way. You know why? Because he likes to bail out wide. And, and so he'll start to bail because he sees the stunt, and then they, he runs right into the stunt. And that's exactly what happened here. So he could have just stepped up, and had he done so, he would have seen Hitch, or not Hitch, well, he was on a Hitch route. He would have seen Hardman come loop right around, come open against the zone, and he would have been fine. This, was, this happened a bunch. And he didn't pull the trigger. Some simple, a couple of simple curl routes to Hill that would have been a good for an eight yard game. Um, and so it was, that's what made it such an unusually bad game for him. The pocket presence stuff, he's had games with pocket presence that bad before where he still overall played well, right? Because normally it's bounced out by like a half a dozen incredible throws, um, you know, then making a bunch of other throws on schedule when the protection's fine, stuff like that. This game, there wasn't that. He didn't have a bunch of great throws. He didn't have a bunch of plays that he extended and made happen. Um, he had very few. And so the, the good didn't even come close to outweighing the bad. And it was just so weird to watch because it is by far, by far, the worst game I've ever seen him play. By far. Not even close. Like even when he got hurt mid-game against the Colts and like couldn't really do much anymore in 2019, he was still better that game because he was slinging it before he got hurt. And they actually scored a touchdown. But this was, he was, in my opinion, and that's not saying that, you know, Orlando Brown hasn't been a terrific fit with what they wanted the left tackle to do, even though he's generally played pretty competently and has taken an inordinate amount of the blame because of a couple of bad snaps that were really noticeable. I get that. But the offensive line overall was okay. They were, it was their worst game in pass protection. But it, they weren't terrible. They had some struggles, but they weren't terrible. People keep blaming Andy Reid and the scheming. The biggest problem with the offense on Sunday, was Patrick Mahomes. And that was weird to watch. Yeah, I don't like it here. I don't like <laughs> this space. Nate, between, I mean, the number of times, I know lots of this stuff has come up in pressers, the people you've talked to, and just your your own observations. But if I mm -hmm. give you the pocket maneuvering, I give you um, the relationship with Orlando Brown and his fit, I give you Patrick Mahomes being gun-shy for a game, which doesn't really fit some of the narratives that I think have gone around more nationally than locally of, you know, take what Patrick Mahomes doesn't know how to take what's there, which has largely not been true throughout his career. Maybe mm -hmm. it's been a little more true this year. I, I don't know. How do you, how do you understand all of that? How do you, how do you make all of that work? Um, there's going to have to be a concerted effort 
from Mahomes and the coaching staff. I, I'm actually more on like the the coaching staff has been eh, eh, mm-hmm. eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, not great. Um, Can you get any more specific in that without you know sounding like you're being a jerk on purpose? Like what what are you kind of getting at there? Well, um, for instance, against I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles game is probably the best indicator of like what the offense will probably have to do to, for the remainder of the season. Mm. Uh, now that not nece- that doesn't necessarily mean score six touchdowns on seven possessions or whatever it was, but if they um, wanted to do that, it'd be fine. But hey, but if they want to do that, that would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but what I mean by that is, um, as our colleague Shil Kapadia wrote earlier this week in the Athletic, in terms of trying to explain like what is really going on with the Chiefs, and it's stuff that we've all kind of acknowledged and that we've written before. But look, um, I don't feel like these numbers are going to change over the next ten weeks. Uh, every team's going to play two high safeties, uh, which has happened thirty, excuse me, fifty three percent of Mahomes' dropbacks this year. Obviously, he's been blitzed the least amount of any starting quarterback in the league. And so uh, if a four-man rush gets there or doesn't in terms of pressure, well, it's got to be a combination of you being balanced, you taking your time, you executing at a high level consistently over and over and over again, which is something Mahomes mentioned today, which includes taking checkdowns, which includes running the football and giving – Daryl Williams or Clyde Rizzolaire more than five carries, even if you're down 14 nothing, And I honestly truly believe that. Um, but there's got to be – I was somewhat surprised that there was no level of like showing the defenders something and then going elsewhere. Because mm. once the Chiefs got down, it was just, all right, drop back and let that thing sling. But there's, <laughs> there's seven guys who were in these windows. And if your quarterback um, – is not on his best day, which can happen, then that's where coaches need to elevate uh, the chances for success for the players um, and not just, you know, sort of fall back on the players like sheer talent, which is obviously very high in. But I, I just wonder um, the creativity sometimes has not been there. Uh, there have been times where, uh, you can say that they haven't schemed things up well for McCole Hartman, which kind of like quietly this whole season was sort of built upon, which was like, mm-hmm. hey, they're probably going to double Tyreek Hill. Hey, Travis Kelsey won't be open all the time. So, like, I don't know if I've seen play, Seth, where they've really schemed things up that well for McCole Hartman. Obviously, his yep. progress has not been that great either. Um, but, look, I think it was – it was interesting for Chiefs fans who always say, well, Andy Reid says it's about me and da 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 Like, at least he said today that, like, uh, the coaches have just as much blame for that performance as the players do. So that that's what I mean by that. I think that's fair. Um, in terms of scheming stuff open, the, the one exception that I take from it with that is there's a lot of people talking about, you know, how the Chiefs aren't scheming for to beat cover two. And for one thing, it's and we talked about this earlier in the week. It's not like the Titans were just playing cover two zone. Like it's not Correct. like literally the same coverage time after time. Correct. And it's not like they didn't mix in some quarters and, and cover three type stuff. And I mean, so it's not quite that simple. It's like, well, just run mills over and over and over. Which, by the way, I would support an offense that just runs mills over and over because I think <laughs> it's a great concept. But that's <laughs> mills and four verts. What more do you need? 
I'm just saying. Anyway. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> but, but 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 weirdly, it all comes down to can the offensive line play better too? Like I mean, I totally hear you. I yeah. just like But it's hard. It, it's it's these are not easy solutions, even though it appears easy on site. Right. And and there's there is there's a trust issue and a timing issue right now, in my opinion, with Brown and Mahomes. Um and that's the funny thing is like now, <laughs> Eric Fisher got beat a few times every game. I think the way he lost was a little different. Mm. And they're just, they're just you know, you, you, he had years to get used to one another. And there also was Mitch bleeping Schwartz on the other side of the line. And Remmers has done a decent job, but Mahomes never had to even think about that side of the line for the most part. And so it's just a different experience. And so I, he's he's playing in front of a vastly superior interior offensive line. They've been great. Um, Brown has been good, and that's I, I really I, I'll stand by that. He's 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 out of his comfort zone on some snaps, but generally speaking, he does his job. And but you can just see that the timing just isn't there, and that's one reason why. It, it, it would be really simple. And again, I, I might write about this because I still can't believe like this is where I'm at. I'm just not sure why they're not running the ball more. Mm-hmm. And we went over this earlier this week. And it's just like when, when people like Josh and I especially are saying, maybe they should run the ball more. Like, you know, it's like bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, and, and, and look, I'm going to say somebody's name. And maybe this will be the year where we just mention players' names. <laughs> and it'll be like, like oh, and then the f- listener will be like, oh. Afterwards, hey, Sammy Watkins isn't out there, kids. So if you want to run five wide, that's fine. At least so far, Josh Gordon has not been Sammy Watkins. Byron Pringle's been dependable, but like, hey, he not Sammy Watkins. Neither is McCole Hardman. When they could run five wide with Sammy Watkins and Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, the Houston Texans realized who they were. So running similar formations, concepts, principles, that's fine. But again, this kind of goes to the coaching staff understanding that not the same players. Um, Now, say what you want about Sammy Watkins and his availability. But again, that offense was built on having three legitimate above average top end talent at the skill positions to exploit any covers whatsoever, whether it was too high, single high quarters, like it doesn't really matter. Um, But at least as of right now, when they go five wide or four wide with Daryl, either motioning out or motioning back in, it's not as dangerous, even though you still have the technically one of the best quarterbacks in the league still. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You guys have both gotten very close to something that I want to bring up from a sort of a big picture standpoint. So if there's anything else looking back at, at last week's game that either of you want to cover, I, I'm going I'm to throw this out here as our, our last chance to pick up anything from last week before we go big picture and then look ahead a little bit. It, it'd be great, you know, because every coaching staff will tell you, look, we, we've already lost. It would have been great had the offense scored a touchdown yeah. in the second half, but... You know, um, a Hartman fumble. So there's no momentum coming from that game. Just FYI. Just nothing. As as cold as you could possibly take anything. Anything else from you, Seth, other than reminding people to go read the the story at mnchusefan.substack.com? Nothing other than turnovers were once again a massive story. Yes. In fact, let me – I left this tweet open – that I wanted to try to visualize as much as possible. I, I retweeted it and Seth, I know you responded to it, so it won't be hard to find. Um, but it was tweeted out by Joseph Hero on Twitter. Um, and it's a chart of total turnover impact by EPA, which is expected points added and win percentage added. And you have 30 teams in a relatively reasonable little like figure eight kind of crossed through from uh, diagonally. And then mm-hmm. way out there, you find the New England Patriots, which means they have lost a significant amount of win percentage and a significant number of points uh, because of turnovers. In and the then red, you have in the, the, Chiefs. In the red zone. The, the Patriots turn the ball over in the red zone. It's horrific. And the Chiefs <laughs> would not even qualify for being a moon in the orbit of the little Patriots logo. The Chiefs are completely on their own. Here's what Joseph tweeted. Here's the total impact by win percentage in EPA. The Chiefs have lost 200% of win percentage and 75 expected points due to turnovers. League average for those is 83% win percentage lost and 38 expected points lost. They, they have been roughly twice as bad as average would have mm-hmm. you there. Um, mm-hmm. And again, completely alone on an island, which in, in some cases goes to speak. Now, again, I'm sure McCole Hardman's fumble last week probably did quite a bit for, for a lot losing expected points and did absolutely nothing for uh win percentage. Win pro- yeah, I win think that, yeah. that those metrics there are pretty clever because it covers your bases that way. The chiefs are completely alone in both of those metrics. Sorry, Seth, I cut you off because I was excited to read that tweet. Cause I think it's a gosh darn good chart. Well, and I think uh, I think that's the good news in terms of when people talking about the offense. I mean, yes, they were really bad on Sunday, but they've been good until then, except even turning the ball over at a historic pace. That's something we talked about all week. They're turning the ball over like three times more than they normally do. Mm-hmm. And the offense has still been overall good. Um, the difference was they kept turning the ball over at that ridiculous pace. And Mahomes had a bad game. Yes. And the offensive line had its worst pass protection game. Yes. Which I, I'll stand by wasn't as bad. It got compounded by Mahomes having his worst game too. And those things build on each other, right? When your own line has a mediocre game and your quarterback has a mediocre game, both wind up looking terrible. And that's what happened. And so you, so really what we just saw was what would happen if the Chiefs continued to shoot themselves in the foot at an almost impossible to sustain pace. 
and stunk on offense. Like, and so, I mean, the odds of both of, of those things continuing shouldn't be good. Like, Mahomes has gone three and a half years without playing that way. I, I don't think it'll happen again. I agree. I also agree. Okay, good. And the new, and, <laughs> There's and the, a pregnant pause. Look, and the, and the New York Giants are coming to town. Yeah. So... You somebody I, I did Oof. a uh, I did a radio segment um, last night, and somebody asked the, the host asked, um, "Is this game exactly what the Chiefs need?" And I said, "Well, it's either exactly what they need, or it's the worst possible thing for them, because if they lose this game, the season's not." Over? No, 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 no. Say it, say it. But it's like O V E pause, because mm. not not just because they would be three and five, but because they would have just lost to the Giants on Monday Night Football. And it would three. be it would be well beyond panic button mode. Certainly, I and I Patrick I'm Mahomes is the quarterback still, so I'm the season's gonna be hard for me to say it's over until they have the little letter by their name that says they've been eliminated. Look, I'll say it. If they lose on Monday, it's over. Like, Fair enough. It's and this is the this is the predicament that they put themselves in. Um, yeah, I, I understand both points. Um, I just think for a team that uh, has gone through so much mentally already, and to have another disappointment at home in prime time against a subpar team that we all yeah. believe is subpar. Uh, based on their record as, as well, then you're not making progress towards improvement. You're continuing. Yeah. You're continuing to slide. Um, and any thought of like postseason or turning it around, well, you've cut that off by another week. Um, and so I, I just think psychologically the season would probably be over. Um, now there have been rare cases where teams have. You know, snapped off some impressive winning streaks uh, in the middle of the season. But if this team is probably going to do it, which is probably why we've talked about this unit more than the other, it's probably going to have to be on offense. And Mm -hmm. that defense still has to face Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, so Mm. Justin Herbert. I mean, I took a long pause because you knew I was going to say Derek Carr. <laughs> and he's like, he's not going to say it. But no, Derek Carr is playing exceptional football in the last month. These are the facts. Uh, So, win Monday. Uh, get yourself back to 500. See if the defense can put together two good halves. Uh, And, you know, buckle in for... Uh, a really interesting stretch afterwards. They here's the deal. I think the, I think it's pretty much over, and there's going to be a lot of blowing up going on. I mean, if they lose to the Giants, what's the trade deadline next week? No, yeah. the next, the next, it's, yeah, it's two, like, it's like I think two it's days. The, it's Man, the, I think it's the third. You, if you lose to the Giants, is it time to become sellers? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's you know. Just what I'll time say to- it. I think they should try to trade Frank Clark. I'll say it. You know, I know that no one's brave enough to say that, but I'm not sure they're getting a good return on investment there. Maybe they get up, get their first round pick back. And that's it's, it's November second, kind of by the way. It is the next day. Oh, it's it the next day. Okay, next they, day. 
they aren't really in a position to be sellers in a lot of ways too, because they yeah. just aren't. They their assets are of a certain ilk, mm-hmm. and the people that they would trade, it's like, well, yeah, they could get a great return on Travis Kelsey, sure, but it would be insane to trade him. Don't do that. And and so the people that they, although I'm sure we're probably like one more Chris Jones non sack game from people saying to trade him, and I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> like just, but that's. You know what? I'll worry about that when it happens. Also, uh, if I, I could just put this point out there, like right now, trading him doesn't make any cap sense either. Just just because that's going to be a thing to talk about. It just doesn't. And yeah, anyway, um, they, 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 they could be sellers, but they probably wouldn't be because they understand that they are a team that could rip off 10 wins in a row. And I get that. Yep. But let me just tell you, the, the, that's the, the interesting thing about this game is there's really no like amazing scenario. There's like a Absolutely. okay scenario where they beat the Giants and maybe just beat them down badly and we have a fun game to watch. Wouldn't that be nice? That yeah. was one of the things about the Washington game. Like it wasn't that fun for a while. The second half was fun. Like it was like, yeah, where's this team been? But now that we've seen that happen in one half, if it happens against the Giants and they beat them, you know, 56 to nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, wow, they look great. No one would still be able to convince me that I'm not going to be at Arrowhead no. watching Aaron Rodgers throw for 75 touchdowns the next week. Well, I can't convince you of that. Yes, but, but I, I I would say that <laughs> I, I if they you, if if they win, <laughs> how far are we fallen, man? If they win in a in a dominating fashion, it actually is a great sign. And here's why: Let me take you back to the 2017 season, kids. Where this team lost not only to the Jets, oh, yeah, but they also lost to the Giants. They sure did quietly around the same time of the season, towards the middle, where like they had a little bit of a bit of a middle dip, and then um, they sort of rallied and, and improved sort of late in the year. Uh, probably Chiefs fans don't want the you know carbon copy of 2017, of course, but that team that won the division. Lost to the Giants on the road. This team cannot lose to the Giants at home. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. if they win and they do it in dominating fashion, I would say that should be super encouraging to Chiefs fans because they are not a team that, again, I think that 2017 Chiefs team is better than the 2017 Giants team. Did you watch that game? But, hey, it's the NFL. Guys getting their own heads. Uh, sometimes teams want to perform on a bit sp- on a big spotlight against a team that is having more success than them. Um, and these results can happen. So they, they need, look, in some ways it is a bit of baby steps and it is a sort of not fun process, but they got to, they have to beat the giants and then go up the levels incrementally. Um, here's what I, I want to do. I want to make sure we have a little time for the big picture stuff. And there's also a news item that's going to flow right into some of the big picture stuff that I want to ask you guys about. Um, but if we are going to deliver, there are a lot of the giants are hurt. We're still several, like we are several days away, even more so than usual, obviously with being a Monday night game. So there's going to be a lot of things that, you know, we're still waiting on everything. And if you'd like to follow along, I would say follow all of us on Twitter at our various places and read the, the stuff that we do. Cause Nate will write about this game somewhere closer to Monday, I have to imagine. Seth will have more up with the newsletter, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, support the other stuff that we're doing. With that being said, and with the information we have right now, how do you guys feel about how this game is most likely to go? And is there anything that you're looking for going into this game that you would you would put out there as kind of a, a key or a final word on this matchup? 
I would say that um, how they use Tyreek Hill will be very telling to me. Um, because the way the Chiefs used him against the Eagles, I feel like is required. Where he was, this is the way. Yeah, where he was everywhere. He was motioning. He was at the X. He was at the Y. He was he was allowing Mahomes to read the coverage probably a little bit better. Tyreek, I assume at that time was much healthier than he is now. Um, and so if Tyreek Hill, who did practice today, um can perform the way he has in the Chiefs victories, that will be very telling. If it's similar to against the Titans, where they don't want to use him a ton in motion, um, he's not what I would call necessarily a focal point in the game plan. Now, you could argue that the game plan was basically ripped in shreds by the second series, uh, which makes it hard to analyze these things. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Travis Kelsey's been the most consistent tight end. Uh, I think we're safe to know what you're going to get from him. But I think Tyreek, um, his usage, how they use him, uh, will will play a massive role in this game. And if he is uh, back to being the star player that he's known for being, and if Mahomes doesn't have another bad game, then, again, that sort of leads to, hey, be encouraged, get a win, move towards, you know, um, getting back to being a potent offense again. Seth, what do you think? I'm worried but that's mostly just because of how one game looked. Mm-hmm. I I think it's much more likely the offense looks more like itself. But we're we're multiple games of the offense going to be needing to look good before it it's going to like especially the turnover thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're at the point now where every time a Chiefs ball carrier gets hit, I start to wince and even Mahomes throwing, I'm like, ah, "It's going to happen." And even if it's like headed that. for a receiver's hands, you're yeah, like, it could exactly. be a pick still. Until that thing gets collected, I'm like, nope. Um, it'd be nice to see them. I mean, unless they were just making it up how good physically Josh Gordon looked the first couple weeks, I'd really like to see them try to involve him in the offense. You would, you would, you would assume that it's it's going to happen sooner rather than later. But yeah, but hey, but yeah, but hey, I, me- I would love to see them utilize Hill. Like like Nate said, um, moving him around, taking advantage of the coverages people are playing, and I'd love to see Mahomes attempt like fifty passes for like you know, you know, air yards under ten yards, mm. which is not something I ever I, thought I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I'm almost surprised. I'm like, do we do we really want him passing fifty times? Well, I just want, I just, but I mean, if he's doing it with those types of looks, the ball's out, you know, it's just boom, out, boom, out. And and I want to see them just because, again, he was so gun shy against the Titans. I'd like to see him pulling the trigger on some of those reads and some of those looks because it was just so unlike him. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, if they win in dominating fashion, I'll feel a little better, but I'm not going to feel better until... I don't witness Aaron Rodgers throw for nine touchdowns. And I'm so, that's the number I have in my head. And if you think for a second, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't force LaFleur to run the score up on the guy that's supposedly the new him, you have not watched the news in like five <laughs> wow. years. 
Um, I'm sure Rodgers is a good dude, but he's just as competitive as Mahomes. It's gonna be like, no nah, man, I'm breaking the record against this dude. Is is and, is is Devonte uh, is Devonte gonna be on the field? I don't know, but I'm just worried it won't matter. Because hey, because hey, oh wow, really? Yeah, I'm saying he's on the field. I'm in that place also. What? Oh, guys, Devonte Adams is incredible. Yeah, he no, and if he, no, no, if he no, is no, out there, the, the Packers him. might hit triple digits. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, I just, uh, <laughs> gonna you remember hit. the game where Jamal Lewis, and this was years ago. Yes, I was ran, at this game. I, it was, I was like at this game. for like 800 yards against the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, and freaking, it, what's his name? Josh Cribbs, I think, housed oh two or three gosh. kicks. It's going to be something oh. like that, and I'm worried about it. Oh, that it. game was pain. I, like, with Adams, I don't know what you do oh. other than, like, give him the Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey treatment. And I, I'm just worried about that. But that said, I do expect them to look better in part because it would be hard to look worse than all, they looked against the Titans. All this means is that the Chiefs will win. The Green Bay Packers will come into town. And the Chiefs will have a four-point lead with two minutes left. And everybody knows the ball's going to Devontae Adams. And guess oh. what? The ball's going to Devontae Adams. Oh, gosh. Oh. I'm going to save us tweets. I think you said Jamal Adams, and it was it was Jamal Lewis. And I'm trying to find when this game was. Oh, yeah, Jamal <laughs> Lewis. Yeah, not Jamal Adams. Yeah, where he broke the rushing record. Um, I got I, I just I Oh, it was my re- birthday. It was December 20th, 2009. <laughs> this was for... This was for my uh, just ahead of my fifteenth birthday. I had my heart ripped out by right. Josh Cribs. And you know what? That's a good. That's a good uh, callback for Chiefs fans to understand that you know, no matter if let's say oh, this it was Jerome up, Harrison, we were super wrong. Jerome Harrison. Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, two eighty six. Thirty four carries gosh. for 286. 2.4 <laughs> yards per carry, three touchdowns. That's quarterback like half a season. The, quarter, the quarterbacking, the quarterbacking battle in this game, forty-one to thirty-four. By the way, uh, Brady Quinn versus Matt Castle. Brady Quinn was ten of seventeen in that game, and his team scored forty-one points. Light it up! Light so, it up! This is a good throwback for Chiefs fans because even if this season goes down the toilet and it's whatever, two kickoff it, return touchdowns for Josh Cribbs. Gosh, that was a menace. That we've been through worse because there was no light at the end of the tunnel in two thousand nine. Disagree. You had rookie Tyson Jackson, right? Or was that? Or was that? There he's on this was team. No was he a rookie? light at the end of the tunnel. And like two thousand ten, even while they were doing things, no one really thought they were a Super Bowl contender. Right, Mike Rabel it, was on this team. Yeah, <laughs> he was the yeah, head coach. He was part of the prize. He was part of the prize along with Matt Castle. Yeah, and, you know, they, I just, I and you know what, Mike Rabel did some good stuff while he was in Kansas City. I mean, I want to talk about Brett Veach for the second consecutive Let's show. Go. We're talking about the 09 Chiefs. Here's the news story I want to throw out there. Um, okay. This was reported by, I think, Rappaport first, and then more information from Aditi Kink Hawabala. I practiced it in my head to try to not screw it up. Sorry. Uh, she's of, of NFL Network. Yes. I thought I was going to get through it all in one breath. And she's I wonderful, by the way. Yes. Yeah, it seems like it and makes me feel only even worse about tripping and falling on my face halfway through her last name. I'm sure she's not ever gotten sick of that happening. Um, so my apologies, but she reported, uh, as Rappaport reported this weekend, Melvin Ingram does indeed went out of Pittsburgh after seeing a reduction in his playing time. I'm told KC made an offer, but the Steelers ideally don't want to send him to an AFC team. 
I can't, man. I can't. I, I like I, my head will explode off my shoulders. He was in the building like three months ago, and they they reassigned Alex Okafor. Do you, do you do you want me to explain it even more? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Unless it's gonna make me mad, in which case I might just go have a Reese's cup. Oh. Um. Melvin Gordon, uh, not Melvin Gordon, Melvin Ingram. Ingram, Ingram we're having a hard time with names. Gosh, today. we're having a hard time. <laughs> Jamal Adams ran for 290 <laughs> yards against the Chiefs. Ingram wasn't sure what his role was going to be with the Chiefs because obviously the Chiefs were still um, focused on Chris Jones playing defensive end, which, you know, the more I say Chris Jones is a defensive end, the, 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 I mean, what a time, kids. And that was only, look at the old calendar four months ago. Anyway, um, he wasn't necessarily sure what his role was going to be then. He felt like he fit the Steelers scheme better. Uh, the Steelers were obviously willing to give him more money. Um, the Chiefs tried to do the responsible thing, some would say, where, hey, you bring in the free agent. Uh, you know he maybe only has one or two years left. Does he want a job right now in security before you get into training camp? You give him a contract that – you offer him, I should say, a contract that um, – you believe is fair, quote unquote fair, and the player is a little bit like, well, if I wait longer, somebody's going to give me more money. So the player obviously uses that for what his intended purposes is of, of leverage. Um, now, both parties realize they made a mistake, and that's fascinating because um, based on the information we know now. Ingram would have been playing quite a bit, even with injuries to the defensive line. Well, it's worth noting, just on a side note, that Jones played more at defensive tackle than defensive end against the Titans. Correct. So, with the Steelers, gosh, they may have woken up and been like, "Is does Ingram have it? Now, to your point, Josh, and Ingram, who feels like he needs real snaps to get into a real rhythm to make an impact. Uh, I don't know why the Chiefs picked up a phone and called the Steelers. That point, I can't really give you in terms of logic. Now you may want to lowball somebody and be like, "Hey, what about this 7th round pick just to get it off your hands?" But to your point, Josh, they probably should have gave Melvin Ingram a more um quality of a deal comparable to his stature, production, and projected expectations for this season. And not only not only there, but like we talked about, you know, this team doesn't have Sammy Watkins. And also, in fairness, the Ravens also don't currently have Sammy Watkins on the field. That's, you know, gotten more or less how it seemed like it might. Mm-hmm. But like they were in on Juju Smith-Schuster and were a million or two million bucks up on what the Steelers and I think even the Ravens were offering. Like the Chiefs yeah, they were, were up they there. Were, they were competitive. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were they were there. But at some point they decided it's not worth another million or two. Now he's injured, but it's not like he has a long history of like, you know, impact injuries, which I think Correct. is like, the core of his so i'm not making that a he would have been hurt here too thing but there's been some weird stuff like and also the the rumors about them calling around for marlon mack like they have marlon mack and his name is daryl williams it's fine like it's okay like that's just that's you know 
similar levels of players at this point. Marlon Mack got hurt, hasn't been as good since then. Regardless, it wouldn't be a, it would be a very weird trade. You have Clyde Edwards Elaire coming back shortly, you would expect. Were they interested in, in Marlon Mack to start in an offense he hadn't been in for like two weeks? I I don't know. There's all of that. But then also, Seth, there was something that, that came up, and we're gonna go a little long here, which feels like makes me feel even sillier about starting the show with an impromptu candy bracket. But you you mentioned something last week, Seth, and it, it even came up in your I think second most recent um, newsletter, talking about you know Brett Veach has, has come up on these free agents or these trade acquisitions, and he swung for home runs. And I'm, I I think I'm paraphrasing very very closely to the actual quote because I thought it was a great one, which was that whenever you swing for home runs, if if you only hit a, a single or a double, you don't really get credit for that. You know what I mean? Like that. You you cannot settle for balls to land in the anywhere in play if you are actually swinging for the fences. Maybe if you overpay for Anthony Hitchens and he's merely helpful with the defensive transition, maybe you could settle for a triple, right? Whatever. And, and this is all just sort of larger, big picture team building stuff that I've just been thinking about now for this entire last week. You can go back through the drafts. It seems like the Chiefs have taken these big swings on veteran acquisitions, and then so many of their top draft picks have been them just playing for a base hit, which is, I mean, Breland speaks, I don't know what was going on there at all, but like Derek Nottie, who's been a good player and a real part of this defense since they drafted him, is a two-down player. Um, Juan Thornhill had to beat Dan Sorensen with a lead pipe. And, I, and the guys that I'm skipping are ones in these first several picks that are just no longer relevant. Um, Clyde Edwards Elaire is not a is is not a high speed running back to the point that the offense looks like if it had more speed in the backfield, maybe it would be more willing to run the ball a little bit more often. I'm not saying that's good logic, but I'm I'm beginning to wonder about it. Um, Nick Bolton has been excellent in the one thing he's supposed to be excellent at. They drafted a two down player with their first pick this year as well. And I just, the the more that I piece all of this stuff together, the less cohesive the plan seems and the more haphazard some of these decisions become. And that for me is sort of drawing it back to the Melvin Ingram thing. Like, I just don't know how you start with him in your building and you end up on late October calling the Steelers trying to bring him in for a, a late round pick. The the other thing that I'm looking ahead to 2022 some and and just going through all of the cap hits and the places they're going to have to make some space to make everything else work. And if they want to reinvest in this defense, I I would like for people to think for a second about would you rather have Joe Tooney or two starters on defense? Because that is the remainder of his contract. He's going to make $18 million in 2022 and then 19 in 2023 and then 19.4 in 2024, which was be the first time they could move him, but it would still be pretty cost prohibitive to do so. He's been excellent and playing with a broken hand. That's not about Joe Tooney at all, but it's about the investment there. And I just, uh, I know that it's all of these different things from all these angles coming together at once. The reason that I think it might be an okay time to pile on all of these concerns from a thousand different angles is because of where this team is right now and the fact that I don't feel like there is, it's not like they're going to have a bunch of money naturally come off the books next year in a very non-cap, non-dead cap hindering way, and they're going to have a chance to reload with a bunch of draft picks like they have been planning for a 2022 rebuild or something. Mm Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be better than this now and next year. And it just seems like there are so many issues. That is, I've been holding that in for two full shows now. So sorry. You, re- you, you really have. And, and 
I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a lot. I've just felt very hot take constipated. Um, and and this podcast is my hot take laxative. Okay. Well, there's some imagery for everyone. Uh, let's not forget, in top of, in addition to all of this, um, they use some cap space that they weren't willing to concede to someone like Melvin Ingram. For someone or to like Juju. Jack- Yep. yep. For so, well, for someone like Josh Gordon, mm. think about that too. Um, they have been ultra aggressive at times. They've also been arrogant at times, mm. and there's a there's a chance for them to. Uh, I get the sense that their scouting department is getting better, um, and their draft picks have sort of reflected that. Especially as I get to know more about the process overall and who's available based on where you're picking based on your team needs. I mean, all the things that it takes to like get the draft right. I mean, no one cares about the Creed Humphrey draft pick, but they, they executed that very, very well um, based on my knowledge. So I feel like scouting in the draft, they are trending in the right direction and they're going to have to continue that of course, because Mahomes' contract will uh, demand such. In terms of what they've done in free agency and how they've chosen to go about allocating certain resources throughout this roster, um, yeah, man, it's a bit perplexing. And <laughs> it's okay for you to voice that. It's okay for Chiefs fans to feel like uh, they pushed one in in overdrive to protect their greatest asset of all time in Mahomes. And that's, that's honorable. Like... I think Chiefs fans should still, for the Joe Tooney comparison or the proposition, like, hey, when you say two starters, Josh, I want people to know, too, like, that's two starters who are free agents. That's not drafting Correct. somebody. Yeah. And, adding, and, adding two veterans. Yes, like, adding two veterans. Good ones. Yes, uh, who can play right away and yes. can help you versus one guy who is protecting, again, helping protect the greatest asset in the franchise's history. Mm-hmm. So... Chiefs fans should never, in some ways, criticize Veach for doing the most honorable, common sense thing, which is like, hey, man, did you Mm -hmm. see the Super Bowl? (laughs) But within that, there's no more mistakes that won't be glaring anymore for this front office. And that's the truth. You sign Jaron Reed, Jaron Reed better work. You sign Josh Gordon, it better work. You pass on Melvin Ingram. It better work. And they are 0 for 3. And that's that's the reality that they that they live within now because it's only going to get harder from here. And that puts pressure on the front office in a mental, psychological manner that is different from the guys performing on the field, but adds tension to the overall facility. And I just want fans to think about that as well. So there's only so much you can do in every offseason. Uh I'm getting to learn that more and more as I cover the NFL and specifically, obviously, this team. But you can only do so much. And now it's even more magnified because Jaron Reed has to work because you're putting Chris Jones out in another position, which has to work, which also means, hey, we're going to pass on Melvin Ingram and maybe shoot, we all messed up there. (laughs) And it's October 28th. Uh, so they just, they just don't have, 
they have more margin for error on the field than they do in the front office. And I don't know if people realize that. Mm. Here's one. Uh, and Seth, I want to hear from you on this because I've uh, boxed you out and I know we need to wrap momentarily. But on the uh, Joe Tooney thing, because again, not Joe Tooney's fault, but I, I went through to try to find guys with either one or two year contracts in these two examples that I'll have. So I promise you I'm not doing any rookie contract math or any like low hit this year math on these two guys. You could either have, and this is also using Tooney's number next year, this year it's more team friendly. But as an example, on a one-year deal for the first guy and a two-year deal for the second guy, you could either have Joe Tooney playing left guard for you, protecting Patrick Mahomes, or you could have Jadavian Clowney and Emmanuel Lagba. And if if all of a sudden you're talking about a world, especially without Frank Clark, moving Chris Jones back inside, I know Agba's performed pretty well this year, saw Clowney a little bit, but like that that's the caliber of player that that we're generally talking about in terms of veterans who can sign deals for about that price tag. Mm-hmm. And they just, all of that money, Jaron Reed is, is the guy that they did that for this year that, that made the most um, headlines or whatever, or splash within the building. Most of that mm-hmm. money is wrapped <clears throat> up in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens and Tyree kill. And, and then next year it'll be the guys that are still here. Plus, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones having hugely ballooning cap hits along with Tooney. What do you think, Seth? I don't know. I'm sorry. I haven't been paying attention for about 10 minutes. Um, it's fine. It started off by me talking about by me stealing a point from the wonderful Chief in the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.com. And also, I know that as you age, your memory can become a little bit less sharp I, than it used I, to be. I, I and, tuned out after you stopped talking about me. Fair. I would just say um, I would associate it more with Reed than Tooney in terms of what you're talking about. You know, if you're talking about cap allocation and stuff. Um, and Clark. So, you know, I, I would associate it with same side of the ball. They spend a, they're like what the third most expensive defense second. or something like that. Second. second. I've heard first, I've heard third and I've no. heard second. Okay. So, Over the know. cap has them second for the unit. I'm not, so, maybe that doesn't count IR money or something. And so like, to me, like, like to me focusing on Joe Tooney, I get why you are for what it's worth, because it's not the type of position that you should generally splurge on. It's a position that no one else in football has splurged on like the chiefs have. Sure. And, and, and it's another big home run swing, though. If that's the base, be you know? but it, that's, yeah. that is that is the latest big again home run acquisition or whatever at a sure. position that has never been valued that way by anyone else in the sport. Sure. Um, the the thing the thing there is that when you, when you're talking about allocation of resources, I think looking offense to defense, that sort of thing, I think it's important to to look at choices that were made, and so I would associate the money not spent on, you know, those examples that you gave with Jaron Reed a lot more than I would with Joe Tooney um, because they needed help up front. They thought they'd grab it in Jaron Reed. You know what I mean? And that just hasn't worked out. And that's where, he, like Nate said, you got to be right when you when you make choices like that. Um, yeah, but Joe and, Tooney also has $4.5 million more money per year coming to him than the second highest paid guard in football. Like it's all, it's all, that money's coming from the same bucket. Highest paid left guard. Shout out. Sorry, yes. Brandon Sharif. Uh, Sheriff. Yes. I always put the, the right guard right there getting a bunch of money. Sorry, Brandon. Um, And so, like I said, for me, it's a matter of the allocation of resources in terms of what you're trying to address. In terms of when you've got a historically bad side of the ball, 
and you're spending that kind of money on it. I'd focus a lot more on, and maybe it's like we get bored talking about it, but the real issue here isn't that they spent a lot of money on a guard. The issue here is that they're paying Frank Clark more than any non-quarterback in football. And then the issue is that they're paying Anthony Hitchens, you know, 10 million bucks. The issue is that, you know what I mean, where you've yeah. got situations where yeah. you've got guys that are performing genuinely poorly. And I tend to focus on those way more than I do on the guy who's playing really well. That's so fine. I, but you say I still think it was a bad choice in terms of, you know, allocation of resources. But for me, I, I just don't care nearly as much when a guy is playing really well as I do when guys are playing really poorly. And so I just allocate my outrage accordingly. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I? Uh, insert one player into this discussion sure. yeah. because this could have helped in the short term, which again, they got to get it right. This is the last year with Mahomes on this low cap hit, by the way, also it's like, this is supposed to be the year. Yep. Um, they had a chance to get to some commonplace agreement with Tyron Matthew, which could have reshaped this, the cap for this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Had they, Structured and maneuvered it a certain way. Could have freed up something like at least about ten or eleven million dollars off of that if they would have wanted to. And they and they chose not to do that, or didn't pursue it enough to again find a common ground with a player that publicly has said he's wanted to stay with the team, and right. and has arguably been their best player on defense in terms of rewarding a player for a contract that you gave previously and then fulfilling that contract, at least two thirds of it um, about as well as one player could. So yeah, but you got to get it right. And it's hard to get it right year over year over year. Right. Especially when the quarterback is going to get better and better and more expensive and more expensive. So enjoy your Halloween, everybody. <laughs> let's let's wrap it up. Uh, again, if, if you're looking for more stuff to take you all the way up to the game, we gave you an extra 15 minutes because it's an extra day. We just prorated 15 more minutes of podcast, you know? Yep. Um, I, I imagine we'll probably try to do a show Tuesday, I guess, because we're not going to do one Monday night. So we this will be our last one pre-Giants for sure. Yes. Um, and then we will talk to you sometime after that. So if you're looking for more content leading up to there, the best thing you could do, I think, is to just follow all of us on, on Twitter. I'm at JB Briscoe. Nate is at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at Real MN Chiefs Fam. Because we all do all sorts of stuff all over the place. And if you want to find all of those things, we almost always tweet about them. Because if there's anything we love more than hearing ourselves talk, it's seeing ourselves tweet. Uh, and so that, you know, something else that we all have in common. So that is it for me. Probably it for Seth. Nate, get us out of here. Thank you for continuing to listen to us after a show that you didn't know was coming for 17 hey, we minutes. Gave you, we gave you an hour of real Chiefs talk, by the way. We, we're going to go about 15 minutes long, just to say that. You know, we, yep. we, we lived up to it. Look, we appreciate it. And look, if, if, if you need to look, if you ate candy through all of this while you listen <laughs> to us, you're welcome. And, um, you know, try to be as sweet as the candy that you enjoy the most, and hopefully the, the Chiefs will reward you um, while you eat more candy on Monday night. I mean, maybe, you know. Season's on the brink, so eat, eat candy uh, if things go real poorly.